This is the Scott Thompson Show podcast. We're we're getting again um, flashbacks of the Tim Bosma murder trial. Uh, this uh, this time, it's one time girlfriend of killer Dylan Millard may not be standing trial this week. Uh, you might remember that Christina Nudga and uh, w- was heavily involved in all of this and testified at these trials. Well, now the Hamilton Spectator is reporting uh, that her and her lawyer are in a plea negotiation with the Crown. The case against the 24-year-old was due to start tomorrow on charges of being accessory after the fact in the murder of Tim Bosma. Uh, she is reportedly expected to plead guilty to the lesser charges of obstructing justice and willfully destroying evidence. Uh, in June, 31-year-old Dellen Millard and 28-year-old Mark Smitch were found guilty of first-degree murder in the killing of Bosma. Uh, they are both appealing the verdict. Mill- uh, Millard is also facing trial in the deaths of his father and his former girlfriend, Laura Babcock. Uh, to talk, we're going to get um, Alex Pearson to, uh, of course, help us out with this through this trial if it does, in fact, get that far. Uh, hopefully, we'll get a chance to speak with her tomorrow on this. Uh, in the meantime, let's bring in Todd White, criminal lawyer uh, in Toronto, and he is with us now. Hello, Todd. How are you today? I'm well. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thanks very much for taking the time to join us. We appreciate this. My pleasure. Any surprises here uh, that there's a plea uh, or a, a plea bargain going on just before this was set to begin? No, not at all. It, it often happens on the on the eve of trial, where uh, both parties assess their case, uh, assess their strengths and weaknesses, and sit down and talk about the issues and possible resolution. And given that she was a pretty uh, key witness for the prosecution in the murder trials, um, I can see why the Crown may be sympathetic to work out something for her. So, uh, what does that mean for her? What does that? What's the advantages of her doing this? Um, if she goes to trial. Um, she's charged with accessory after the fact to murder. Um, that's a straight indictable offense and has a maximum term of imprisonment of life imprisonment. Mm-hmm. So it's a very serious charge. Uh, accessory after the fact to murder is uh, one of the most serious charges in the code. If she pleads to something like obstructing justice, um, the maximum she can get is uh, two years. And given that she's already served uh, the equivalent of more than four months, which is by dead time standards, the equivalent of six months, um, she may not have to face any further jail time. Uh, why would the Crown be interested in accepting such a plea? The Crown may have a very weak case against her. Um, the only evidence they have will be her statement to the police, which the Crown will seek to tender. It may be inadmissible, it may not be. There may be charter arguments to keep it out. And the other, the other evidence is, is circumstantial evidence. They don't have any true evidence that she had knowledge of any murder. So it's uh, very possible that she may be acquitted on accessory to to murder and perhaps convicted of a lesser-included offense like obstruct or something like that. Do you think the Crown would have a problem in proving this case? Um, From what I've read throughout the trial, um, they they may have difficulty because they can't rely on her testimony um, that she gave at the trial proper for her two co-accused. That's inadmissible against her. And the only evidence they seem to have is as a result of search warrants. And so the actus reus, the actual act of obstruction, may be made out. But whether or not she had knowledge of the murders may be difficult for the Crown to prove. Hmm. Uh, what do you think the chances are of this case going to trial? Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not uh, there with Brian Greenspan talking to the Crown. Mm-hmm. Um, but it seems that if the Crown is confirmed to the press, and I understand that they, they did, that they are having these discussions... Um, it may well be uh, the perfect case to resolve. 
Uh, obviously, during her testimony during the Bosma trial, um, she was taking advantage of the Ca- uh, Canada Evidence Act. Explain how that works. Oh, well, under the Canada Evidence Act, you can assert your right against self-incrimination so that any of the evidence you give cannot be used in a trial against yourself. Um, and that's pretty standard. In fact, you don't even have to assert any rights under the Canada Evidence Act. It's now covered by the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms and the uh, right to remain silent and the, the right not to have evidence that you give used against you your own trial. So in other words, what that means is, and, and, and excuse my layman's terms here, but if, for example, she gave evidence in the Millard uh, Smith trial that somehow incriminated, incriminates her as well, that can't be used against her if it's used in their trial? Correct. Okay. She testified under subpoena, so she was forced to testify. Um, Canada is very different from the United States. In the United States, if you're subpoenaed to testify, you can uh, claim protection under the Fifth Amendment, which means you don't have to answer any questions. Mm-hmm. I refuse to answer on the grounds that it may incriminate me, and your testimony is over. But in Canada, you can't uh, exercise that right to remain silent. You have to answer the questions in a court of law. But the rule is, the quid pro quo, is that that evidence can never be used against you subsequently. Hmm. So, obviously, the Crown sort of picks the worst of two evils? Correct. And, and decides to go in that direction. And, and there are hundreds of reasons why a Crown may want to resolve a case, um, and, and the same number of reasons why the defense may want to resolve a case. There's always a risk in going to trial that she may be convicted, she may be found not guilty of anything. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, given that she was a pretty although she was a pretty bad witness for the Crown, apparently. She was still a very uh, helpful witness to the Crown. Uh, if, the, if this does go to trial, does this mean that all of this is regurgitated all over again for the families and such? Um, possibly, yes, because they're going to have to prove that there was actually a murder, and they'll have to establish that beyond a reasonable ju- a doubt. But it, it certainly won't take as long, because I, I understand that she's elected to have a trial by a Superior Court judge alone with no jury. Mm-hmm. So it won't have to be as painstaking. And Advantages or disadvantages of to having the judge and not the jury? Um, juries are sometimes unpredictable. Um, and if you have a, a case such as this one where the facts aren't really in dispute, it's just a question of law, um, uh, a superior court trial judge may be a great idea um, because the, the trial judge will have to give reasons for why he or she believes that the Crown has proven their cases beyond a reasonable doubt a jury just comes back with a verdict of not guilty or guilty. You never know what their thinking or reasoning is. A judge alone, on a question of law, will have to give detailed reasons as to why he or she finds that the person is guilty or not guilty. Uh, So, uh, obviously, accessory after the fact is a pretty serious charge. If she pleads guilty to the lesser charges of obstructing uh, justice and destroying evidence, what what sort of penalty would that come with? Well, given that she's served the equivalent of six months in jail already, um, my guess is that she'd be placed on some sort of house arrest or given a a suspended sentence and probation for two years or so um, just to monitor her while out of custody. And is that typical for cases like this? Yes. Yes. I mean, given the facts that I know, this isn't isn't the most serious... uh, accessory after the fact. It's not as if she helped dispose of the body or, Mm -hmm. you know, chopped up the body and threw it away somewhere or did something major. Mm -hmm. So she just, you know, she kept a camera and she wiped her own fingerprints off the 
So at the end of the day, there is a good chance that this will never go to trial. I think so. Interesting. Uh, how do you think that's going to play in the, public, the court of public opinion? It should play perfectly fine. She's not a murderer. She, you know, is a stupid young woman who got involved with an idiot. Yeah. And, uh, you know, him and his colleague have been found guilty of first-degree murder. Um, that ends it. That's the real harm. Uh, they're uh, obviously appealing, meaning Millard and Smitch, obviously appealing uh, their sentence. Uh, just typical procedure at this point. It, what, what's the chance of that, do you it, think? It, it's, uh, I don't know. I mean, the, the trial seemed to go pretty well without a hitch with not many legal issues. Um, but it's pretty standard for someone who's been convicted of first-degree murder to appeal. Um, just to try and get a new trial or yeah. try and get a conviction on a lesser offense. Uh, how difficult was this and complicated was this trial, considering both of these people were tried at the same time? Um, it's pretty standard for uh, all co-accused to be tried on the same charge at the same try, same time. Um, but the evidence, to me, seemed pretty overwhelming, especially given given the evidence of the, the videotape and mm-hmm. and uh, the accused that's in court tomorrow. Um, she made it crystal clear that he was involved in this, and... Police did a great job of investigating and finding everything very quickly. So, what happens now, Todd? Uh, they're working on something. Obviously, both sides at this point. Uh, will that be announced later today, or will the will they have to be before a judge tomorrow, where all this is presented? Um, two things could happen. They, they could. Uh, they'll have to be in court tomorrow. Um, there, there may be a guilty plea tomorrow to a lesser included offense, or they may ask for you know a few hours or a couple of days work out the details, and in that case, the trial will be adjourned. Um, but I'm sure we won't find out anything until tomorrow. Todd White has been with us, criminal lawyer, barrister in Toronto. Todd, thanks for the time and insight. Much appreciated. Thank you. You're listening to The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 900 CHML. Wynn finally admits her electricity plan is a mistake. To which my question is, why didn't you, do, why didn't you run all these numbers like before you started? How come you have to, like, waste $37 billion, so says the Auditor General, before you realize it's not working? It's not like people haven't been telling you for months and years. Experts said this was a train wreck in process. Why didn't you listen? Or did you even have a plan? Did you even bother to check any of this out before you got us into it? Now what do you do? Like, couldn't you see this coming? Didn't you, like, when you start a business and you go to the bank and apply for a loan, you gotta, you got to come up with a business plan to show that when you take the money, that this whole thing is viable and, and going to work and has a good chance of succeeding. Uh, you didn't do any of that. You just grabbed our money and you started throwing it away to your activist friends. That's all she is, is a tree hugger. We're all green. We're all green. Everyone's green. Everyone's trying to save the planet. But she's a tree hugger. She like should be in the green party, not the liberal party. So now she admits in a, in on the weekend when everyone's asleep that her electricity plans a mistake. And here's the here you know what made her realize it was a mistake when Donald Trump got elected. Because she's sitting there scratching her head wondering, how can these people possibly elect a racist like this? Well, because they're so sick and tired of what's going on, they'll even do that to get rid of you typical politicians. You status quo. You people like Kathleen Wynne. 
You people like city council have been doing it for a hundred years. The status quo. The stale status quo. And you know, I'm 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 actually impressed that Kathleen Wynne got this. I'm surprised it took as long as it did, but I am surprised that she's that, that, that she's realized this. Because I said this right from the beginning. It's a protest election. Americans aren't that racist. They're just so sick and tired of their typical politicians, they'll throw in anyone to drive them out. And Kathleen Wynne got that message from Donald Trump loud and clear. But my question is, why didn't she figure this out when she was drawing up the energy plan? Didn't she run the numbers? Didn't she do her due diligence? No, once again, she didn't. And, you know, the comments on, on Facebook and Twitter are, are just, like, unbelievable. Why is she doing this now? John writes, what a load of crap. She says she wasn't paying close enough attention. Please, we've been complaining, been complaining about soaring hydro costs to her for years. She's known for a long time this is a huge problem for Ontario residents. Chuck says she should be selling timeshare. (laughs) Wayne writes, it's time to start. uh, uh, It's the start of the election, and she's starting now, right now. Liz writes, so now that you've admitted it, what are you going to do about it? Like, you know, just because you admit to a crime doesn't get you off the penalty. Doesn't say, oh, okay, well, you can walk. The judge doesn't say, okay, you can walk free. You've admitted it. You've come clean. You didn't check this out. You didn't run the numbers. You ignored the experts. And you did it anyway. Like some sort of teenager who's protesting, I don't know, without a bra on. Like you're some immature little kid running up and down the street with a placard. This is our money you've blown. And now you're telling us it's a mistake? Just like the mistake we made, well, not me personally, voting you in with an overwhelming majority. I don't get it. I don't get it. But more importantly, now that she has admitted it is a mistake and her plan was wrong, do we stop it? Do we change it? Or do we just keep plowing ahead and blowing another $37 billion? Tom Adams is with us, independent energy and environmental consultant. He is with us now. Tom, what are you you thinking after this? Well, you know, you asked this question. Um, uh, When did she figure this out? Um, uh, You know, what what did it take for her to to come to this realization that maybe uh, all's not well with her electricity program? Um, I mean, a a little just moment of history might be helpful for your listeners. Um, If you just get on the Internet and Google the Ontario Auditor General, uh, you can go back to um, the last several years, uh, starting in 2011, when the Auditor General started reporting on the electricity disasters in, uh, in a lot of detail. And um, 
uh, so the auditor general looked at one piece after another. What, what's up with the Ontario Energy Board? What's up with the smart meters? What's going on with the renewable energy program? You know, just taking apart these pieces and looking at, at them in a lot of detail, really good scholarship. Re- in fact, the, the, the clearest, most comprehensive analytical uh, resource available for you know for the general public to figure out what's going on with electricity in Ontario to explain why your bill's going up. The Auditor General, the successive Auditor Generals, not just our most recent Bonnie Lysak, but uh, the previous Auditor General as well, deserve a huge standing ovation for really doing great work on this. But one of the observations that they keep coming up with is that when the government started this program or that program or another program, they never did any business cases for any of these things. So, like, with the smart meter program, they said, oh, it's going to cost a billion dollars, but it's going to be fantastic. We're going to be world-leading. There was no analysis, no uh, cost-benefit, just go for it. Dalton McGinty said, everybody needs a smart meter, so we're getting a smart meter, whether, you know, it's good or not. They ended up spending $2 billion. They got almost zero value out of the whole program. Just a complete and total train wreck, just the smart meter piece of the electricity file. Um, uh, it, it's a, Actually, the smart meter piece is a good illustration of just how badly this whole darn thing got mismanaged right from the beginning. So what now? I mean, she's admitted the she's admitted this mistake. Why would she admit this now? Is this a case of it's so obvious she can do nothing but admit it and then just throw herself at mer- uh, you know at the mercy in in the court of public opinion? Well, uh, well, I mean, the reasoning behind this admission is is that the public is starting to you know understand this better, um, uh, and people that you know the more people understand about what's actually transpired here, the more outraged I think people are. I mean, what has happened to Ontario's power system is absolutely outrageous. It, it, you know, people are, are well within their rights. Um, they're, you know, it, it, the more well-informed you become about what's happened to the power system, the, I think the more upset you'll be, be, become. And, I mean, in terms of next steps, I mean, the key point here is that the government has not just made one mistake. They have made so many mistakes that there are opportunities across the board. There's 20 things they could do to start cutting a power cost right now. Um, uh, You know, the, the smart meter program is part of a much bigger disaster called the smart grid program. Um, uh, the Ontario Energy Board, which should be in a properly functioning power system, it would be an independent, professional, arm's-length agency, arm's-length from government, to uh, uh, ensure that customers are getting best value and that the monopoly distribution and transmission utilities are appropriately monitored and and police to make sure that you know we're all the little bits and pieces are going as well as can be reasonably expected. That's the proper function for effective public utility regulation. And if we had effective public utility regulation in Ontario, one of the first things they would do is do an inquiry into what the heck happened with this so-called smart grid. 
It has been just a cocktail of disasters, smart meters being only one of them. There's others. Energy storage was another huge disaster. Um, but, so what, will, what, what does she have in her toolbox to fix this? And what will she do uh, to, to save face and try to fix it? Will she just, like, hand us back rebates and put us farther in debt by giving us her own money back? I mean, how does she fix it moving forward? Oh, I, I, I'm really concerned that rather than grapple with the, you know, the brass tacks of the factors that are actually driving up underlying costs, um, what she is, I think, very likely to do is uh, go to some of the crown corporations that are active in the electricity space, like, uh, for example, Ontario Power Generation, and just order them to run deficits. Um, uh, uh, just the, the debt yeah. finance, ongoing operations, run up their debts, um, and use that as a way of hiding the cost, the true cost of electricity, passing the problem on to the next government. Isn't it too late for that, though, Tom? Can she do that at this point? Well, you know, there's a long history in Ontario uh, electoral politics of politicians panicking before the vote and doing just that kind of thing, just, you know, debt financing, electricity cost, hiding the cost, burying it, all this kind of bad, bad business. And I should say, it's not just a, 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 a liberal tradition, um, uh, but uh, um, former conservative uh, uh, Premier Ernie Eves uh, pulled a stunt like this in November of 2002 when mm-hmm. he imposed a rate freeze on electricity when electricity was uh, uh, supposed to be a, a, a big uh, electoral crisis at that time. Uh, the, the price tag, by the way, on electricity back then, you know, the prices that people thought were outrageous, uh, you know, for the commodity portion of power at that time, when, when prices got to 5.6 cents a kilowatt hour, the, the Toronto Star newspaper just absolutely hit the roof. That, that you know, Mike Harris's electricity reforms have been a disaster, disaster. Now we have peak electricity price for the commodity portion blowing past 18 cents a kilowatt hour, you know, and it's mm. like we're in a different world now. Uh, Wynn will say this was about getting off coal, this was about revitalizing the infrastructure and paying for uh, fixing the brownouts and all that sort of stuff. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, they, they are, the, the Ontario Liberals are so entrenched on, uh, uh, on, on a whole bunch of talking points that just turned out to be absolute garbage. You know, so you know, they'll, they'll say um, that Ontario's electricity exports to Michigan and New York are profitable, um, that they, uh, by, by uh, uh, eliminating coal power, there was billions and billions uh, of savings to the health care budget every year since uh, uh, that, uh, uh, you know, since coal disappeared. They'll, they, they even claim that the improvement in air quality that we've experienced in Ontario, um, uh, was, it, it, which is a real improvement in air quality in recent years, was caused by the shutdown of the coal plants. Of course, that um, there's no basis 
whatsoever to make that claim. The, the what what actually happened is the Americans shut down their coal plants like a hundred times more coal capacity than we shut down in Ontario, and, or some huge ratio. Um, uh, huge improvements in transportation fleets and all kinds of other things that have caused our air to be cleaner, but the liberals will claim that their coal phase-out was the sole cause for all this this miracle of improved air quality. One of the problems we got here is that um, uh, we've, for a long time, had a real truth deficit around uh, political conversations about the reality of Ontario's electricity situation. So how does this change things? Obviously, this weekend she came out and said this was her mistake. So everybody is looking at her like a deer in the headlights of a car. How does this change things moving forward? How does it change things for her? Well, um, uh, you, you know, she, she's, she somehow has to try to um, uh, maintain the confidence of her caucus and uh, and of her party as, you know, the... Uh, time ticks down to uh, uh, an election, I guess it's supposed to be June of 2018, uh, not a whole long time off into the future, um, uh, but certainly enough time for her to fiddle with, uh, you know, a, a lot of the levers of power that she has control over. This is why I'm so worried about um, the possibility of new kind of debt-financed um, uh, temporary electricity rate relief that that uh, this doesn't help us at all um, uh, transfers. Will the public buy into that, though, Tom? I mean, you know, aren't they able? Aren't they going to be able to see through that? I mean, what's it, you know, what's at issue here is is the deals that she's done. I mean, it, again, no one's. Everyone wants to save the planet, but as the Auditor General and you've pointed out, she overspent by thirty-seven billion dollars. So, uh, what do you do with those deals? Do you stop? I mean, she can't just say. Oh, this was my mistake, and then continue on. Can you? Well, if she was serious about actually trying to enhance the long-term economic prospects of Ontario by making sure that electricity is as affordable as we reasonably can do, given you know the history that we've created up until this point, she would pull the plug on a whole lot of completely useless garbage that um, she set in motion. So, I mean, just one of many, many examples. But um, uh, she ordered the Crown Corporation Ontario Power Generation to build hydroelectric projects up in northern Ontario. Um, uh, One of those is under construction right now. It just started construction. It's called New Post Creek. Um, uh, It's a relatively small, it's only 25 megawatts, but it's for a staggering price tag, something like, in excess of 300 million bucks uh, um, for a useless bit of generation that long ago the hydroelectric experts uh, within the Ontario government long ago decided that this project was not worth doing. But the the you know because of the green uh, you know this green goo that's kind of seeped into the brains of some of those people down there at Queens Park, they they brought back from the dead. Uh, these projects that were never justified and, and just kind of start throwing money at them. And so if, if Kathleen Wynne was, was sincere about really trying to do something to correct the mistakes that she has now acknowledged, 
there's a bunch of really concrete things that she would do. And, and, and one of many examples is just spiking this useless New Post Creek project. Um, but I, I, again, I am not confident that, that she's going to deal with the substance of this. I'm, I'm very concerned that she's just going to um, uh, play around with the kind of spin that, uh, that, that just digs us our hole deeper. Uh, how can she say now, as deep into this as we are, that it was a mistake? Did they not run the numbers beforehand? Did they just assume Ontarians would, you know, watch their rates go up 70 percent since 2004 and, and not care about it? I mean, I don't get how it's her mistake now. Like, again, you know, if you build this and then it tends this, it does this, and then back you, by the time you get to here, it's going to cost you this much. And then, it, like, where are the numbers? Didn't you not run the numbers on this? Well, one of the factors that got in on this was um, uh, that, that a, a, a bunch of, of uh, interest groups that, had, that were positioned to benefit from, from these, uh, you, 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 these terrible scams that had been put over onto, onto rate payers. So whether it was the Solar Industry Association, the wind power guys, or the people that do uh, home energy audits, and there's just uh, there's just legions of these of these interest groups that have been parasitizing the uh, your power bill. Those groups um, figured out how to communicate with Queens Park. They showed up at all of these five thousand dollar steak dinners with the energy minister. And and they they pumped out this whole line that uh, um, uh, by pursuing this this radical uh, um, uh, green agenda that Ontario would be leading the world and it would lead to a social and economic transformation that laid off auto workers would get new jobs building wind turbines and it, we were going to the world would be beating a path to our door. Um, uh, and they just kept pumping out that kind of propaganda line. And <laughs> what's really amazing is that the, these people at Queen's Park bought it. So what uh, are the interest groups and the extreme green activists thinking now when, now that she's admitted that this was a mistake? Well, you know, you, you made a reference to uh, Donald Trump. You, you look at um, the stock prices for some of the uh, wind power companies, uh, you know, that are out there, the largest wind power uh, um, uh, equipment manufacturer, Vestas, uh, just stock tanking. Um, uh, you know, so I, I think it, it, really it, the value proposition, those parts of the you know, of, of, of energy efficiency and new energy technologies where there really is a value proposition, all those guys are going to be fine. Um, uh, but the ones that, that are just parasites that can't live without the subsidies, they're in deep trouble. And, and those people, you know, <laughs> we're, we're going to see a lot of ads from them, and they're going to be singing and dancing uh, like to beat the band to try and, you know, keep their party rolling here. Tom Adams has been with us, independent energy and environmental consultant. Uh, of course, Kathleen Wynne admitting over the weekend that uh, electricity rates and their green plan has been a mistake. Tom, thanks very much for the time and insight. Much appreciated. So good, Scott. Thank you. 
You're listening to The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 900 CHML. A lot to chatter about uh, electricity rates and, of course, Premier Wynne admitting that uh, this was her mistake and that the uh, energy plan uh, was a mistake. What we do now, no one's really sure. (laughs) Here's hoping someone has a plan because clearly there wasn't one going into all of this. It didn't seem to matter. That's the hard part I have understanding all of this is like, didn't you run the numbers? Couldn't you see this coming? Weren't there finance people or experts that said, yeah, and we know there are and were. But again, she ignored all of that. She just ignored it like an irresponsible. And and I use this analogy and KC tweets me. Thanks for the analogy, Scott. Now I have images of Wynn with no bra on. Uh, Hashtag not happy, bud. I didn't mean that to describe when. I just meant it sort of reminds me of the frivolous sort of attitude, you know, going back to the 60s when it was peace and love and everyone was just demonstrating for the sake of demonstrating. And, of course, there was a civil rights movement and lots of important things going on. Uh, but at the end of the day, she reminds me of an irresponsible activist. She reminds me of a high school kid with a placard uh, more than she does a business person who understands the ramifications of the millions and millions of dollars of, of taxpayers' money that she's spending with seem, seemingly no control and no due diligence. You know, like that's like buying a car or a new house and going, I didn't know you had to make payments. I mean, it's, it's bizarre. I, I, I just don't know how she can come out at this point when we're looking across the land at billions of dollars in wind turbines and such and 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 we're paying through the nose that she now says it's it was a mistake. What was a mistake? Why are you just seeing this now? Smokey Canuck tweets, uh, keep your relief when your approval rating is in the toilet. Vote in 18 months uh, and you're out. You're now in damage control. Feel free to offer your opinion. Phone lines always open. 905-645-3221. Star 9900. Uh, on your cell. Uh, Poll question of the day also focusing on this. What do you think of Kathleen Wynne saying hydro rates are her mistake? 4% think it's appropriate. You know, and I, you know, I'll admit I give her credit for, for admitting that this is a mistake, but that doesn't get you off the crime. You know, if, if murderers said, uh, you know, I'm sorry, it was a mistake, that doesn't get you off. You still have to pay your penalty to society. You have to do something. And 65% say too little, too late. 31% say what took her so long? And again, these are all valid questions. Like, what took you so long? And, and what took her so long is her mentor, Hillary Clinton, got booted out because nobody showed up to vote because they would rather have a racist, inexperienced pig in there than they would... Hillary Clinton or any of the establishment, any of the Republican establishment for that matter. And everybody's, oh, look how racist America is. No, 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 you're missing the point. Look how angry America is. Look how angry they are because their government is in gridlock and has been forever. And Kathleen Wynne has finally realized that the silent majority is cranky about her electricity rates. Much the same way Americans are ticked off at the status quo in their country. This is just on a much smaller scale. And that's what made her realize, oh, I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't know people were so hurt by this. How can you not know? 
And yet you still keep driving the nail into the wood. You still keep driving it in. So where do we go? What's the solution? Now that we know your plan was a mistake, what is your correction? How do you make this right? Is it a case of just subsidizing and giving people checks, giving us our own money back? Oh, we can't spend all this money there because we're going to give it back to people on helping them with their electricity rates. What what does that do? That just pushes the problem off onto her granddaughter. Wasn't their granddaughter the whole reason we did this in the first place? She wanted a better planet for her granddaughter? Now she's shoving the, the expense off to her granddaughter. Harold's on the line. Harold, what are your thoughts on the electricity file and when admitting it's a mistake? Well, unfortunately, uh, this is how Wynn got voted in in the first place, by listening to special interest groups as to whether they're corporations, as to whether they're wind turbine companies, as to whether they're uh, unions. And so what happens is she believes that she's actually representing all of the people of Ontario when, in fact, she's only representing the, major- the minority of them that voted her in for special interest reasons and now she doesn't know how to back out she doesn't how to know, know how to correct it but the only reason she know, doesn't know how to correct it is because donald trump has said we're going to actually listen to all the people not just the special interest groups and now everybody's terrified yeah yeah and the electricity is unfortunate my wife lost her job up at nanty coke because the lies that the liberals said that they were pumping out uh, filth out of the coal-fired generation units causing people to have asthma attacks and dying. Uh, 98% of the coal-fired units were pumping out clean air. 98%. And that was with scrubbers and other additional methods to keep them that way. But it was because of the special interest groups who wanted to put up wind turbines and make billions of dollars that she finally shut them down. Even biomass units that were meant strictly to burn off uh, old Christmas trees, wood chips, and other such materials were shut down even before the coal-fired units were. So this was all just special interest groups who got their way. All right, Harold, thanks for the call. Thank Much appreciated. 905-645-3221, star 9900 on your cell. I don't think it's a bad thing getting off coal. Uh, you know, I think most will agree with that. But yes, there certainly was ways to do it. Um, you know, you don't have to do it tomorrow. Uh, you can add scrubbers that will buy you some more time until you figure out how you're going to adjust these economies. Um, you know, uh, the it was it was uh, Ontario PC leader Premier Mike Harris that authorized the shutting down of the first coal-fired power plant up in Thunder Bay. And that was back in 2001. So we've been moving towards that for a long time. And as uh, uh, Tom Adams was saying, uh, yeah, obviously, um, you know, shutting down the, the coal plant on, on Lake Ontario uh, by Mississauga there, Port Credit, obviously uh, helped to clean up the air, but it's also everything that blows across the lake as well. So, uh, again, these are these are processes that involve everyone and, and you know, are, are done over time. They're not done to make you look good and, you know, jack the province so there's no money left for people to pay their bills. It's, it's just, it, it's nuts. And I mean, again, everybody wants to be clean. This isn't, this isn't coal versus green. This isn't left versus right. 
this is common sense versus silly activism. You know, we all want a cleaner planet. But the gov- when the Auditor General says you've overpaid for this by $37 billion, I mean, that's just not, that's not acceptable. And now when you come out and you go, oh, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. Explain the mistake. Explain exactly what you did wrong and exactly what you're going to do to fix all of this. Uh, no call. We're going to take a break. All right. Uh, if you've got, got some more to say on this, feel free to uh, offer your opinion. Uh, on, on email, Rick writes, uh, if she admitted her mistakes backed up with a remedy, then maybe it'll be palatable. But as usual, this liberal government has no credible answers. It reeks of the Oakville uh, plant scandal. Goes on to say, it infuriates me when Wynn could walk away from this without a penalty. She has, pay, uh, she has played in the sandbox while thousands of Ontarians have suffered financially. Uh, Frank writes, a better question or unknown answer is, who are her advisors? Who were the people that told her to do this? And that it would be profitable despite people in the electricity industry saying, you're doing this the wrong way. Again, we all agree with Green, you're just doing it the wrong way. Feel free to add uh, your message to Ron's. He says, so, uh, so many said that she wouldn't win the last election, right? Kathleen Wynne knows how to talk, and in any debate, she gets the last word. All those unions, private and public, that will vote for her in bulk. Remember those big electricity increases came to rural rather than big urban cities? Not so much. You're listening to The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 900 CHML. The Hamilton Spectator is warning you about fake traffic violation emails. City of Hamilton is warning residents about fake emails. Uh, They look as though they are being sent by the city, but they're not. They're fake. The notices could include words like traffic infringement, and apparently that's language that the city doesn't use, uh, but again, as we were talking uh, to the uh, Canadian Anti-Fraud Center last week, uh, obviously stuff that comes across email and things like this are extremely common. The city says it does not send out traffic violation notices via email. They are issued by an enforcement agency like any of the uh, police services. Police are notified about outstanding uh, fines by the Provincial Offenses Court through the mail. Not email. Uh, Hamilton uh, Provincial Offenses pursues overdue fines through a collection process that could include a phone call from a collector who identifies himself as part of the city of Hamilton. Anyone receiving unsolicited emails from suspicious individuals claiming to be affiliated with the city should report the incident uh, to Hamilton Police or the city of Hamilton. So uh, Hamilton Provincial Offenses pursues overdue fines through a collection process that could include a phone call from a collector who identifies themselves as part of the city of Hamilton. But then at that point, I would guess that you would just go through the normal process then to pay the fine. It's not like you're going out and buying gift cards and sending them to these people that uh, are on uh, on the phone or uh, at the end of the email for you. Uh, let's bring back Daniel Williams, Senior Fraud Specialist, the Canadian Anti-Fraud Centre. As I mentioned, uh, we were talking to him uh, last week about another situation, and uh, he's back with us now. Hi, Daniel. How are you doing today? Very good, Scott. So is this the first time you've heard of this one, Daniel? Actually, we have about 
54 um, complaints on our database uh, from BC, Quebec, Manitoba, Ontario, and Alberta on this type of uh, phishing email. Uh, and one of the dangers with this is, in you know, there may be many different gangs sell- sending out many different versions of this, and some of them, all they're going to be after is to plant malware on your device. So just clicking on the link to, to see what it is that they want, you know, once you've opened the email, mm-hmm. that could... That, that could be all the bad guys were after. So you have to treat these things so carefully. You know, as with every other email, if you're not expecting it, delete it. If it's important, guess what? They'll send it again. You're still not expecting it, you, you get it, you delete it. If it's important enough, they're going to call you. You don't have to worry about important things, missing you by email. Uh, you know, people know the game. You know, they know that the bad guys have, uh, you know, are sending these things out in in almost infinite streams, you know, every possible reason, you know, they're coming into your uh, email inbox, and of course they're coming by by um, uh, by text message as well. Mm-hmm. You know, it's we're being bombarded with it as consumers, and you know we have to to realize that yeah, they are out to get us, and the best thing is if you're not expecting it, delete it. If you're not expecting it, ignore it. You, you you know you click on links at your peril. Uh, phishing emails, as you've said last week, nothing new here. This is just a different vehicle to do the same thing, is it not? Exactly, exactly. They they want um, a way to infiltrate your system. You know, for you know just just responding to it, they, you let them know that you've got that they've reached a valid email account. Um, you know that that's thing one. And then after that, it's a matter of you could be downloading malware. And then if it's the type that's actually, you know, sucking information directly from you, you're filling in, you know, personal information up to and including, you know, your payment info, which might be credit card, debit card, you know, every step of the way, it's bad news. Hmm. Uh, These things, uh, Daniel, they're looking so much like the original thing. How do you draw the line? How do you balance this? How, How do you how do you know if it's what's real? What isn't real? Well, you know, if again, you know, if you if you don't recognize it, if it's not something that you've set up with whatever entity it is that this is how they'll contact you, and you know, you have your safeguards in place. If it, if it's something new to you, take the time to contact the the entity, whether it's the city, the federal government, whoever, contact them from their website. Don't use the email that you've that's that's come to you. It'll be riddled with. Uh, false links and what looks like you know real numbers to call don't use that you know call the the real entity you know it, it takes a while i'm not going to deny it i mean there's a, a a lot of folks calling in on a lot of different things take the time verify you won't regret it and, especially uh, when you're to the point of sending money or some sort of monetary uh... and you know on, on many many people the first time that they get hooked on one of these I guarantee you it'll never happen to them again. Hmm. You will sniff these out better than, than the professionals can because, you know, they had more to lose and, you know, they'll know, they'll know the score. They'll know how realistic it looked and, you know, what worked on them. But it's that, you know, all they need is that first time. And, and you know, and keep in mind, we've been falling, you know, Canadians, well, the whole world, but certainly Canadians have been falling for phishing emails for well over a decade now. There are hundreds of thousands, possibly millions of people who have, given their, all of their personal information to a variety of different cyber criminals. And, you know, eventually they're going to start matching that, 
you know, detailed personal information yeah. into other phishing emails. So, you know, you, you cannot, cannot accept that because somebody has my details, my personal information, that means they're actually from my bank, that they're actually from the government, that they're actually from so-and-so. No, it just means that they have access to it, as do, you know, really, you know, millions of criminals. So, you know, you, you have to take the time, you know, take nothing at face value. Um, you know, yeah, they, you know, they're... We, we can beat them, you know, consumers, we can, we can beat this type, you know, just, but we have to put the effort in and, you know, and if not, you know, and if we, if we do get taken, it's not the end of the world. If you realize what's what, you, you respond to it, you contact your financial institutions, you contact the credit report bureaus, you know, you, you notify the agency who is being spoofed, you contact your police, you know, we certainly want to hear about, about it. You know, you, you've, you're going to minimize the damage. Like, you know, it's not the, it's not the end of the world, but, you know, you, you are making the bad guys that much richer, that much stronger every time you fall for it, it even partially. So, you know, we... Obviously, uh, lots of parking tickets are given out uh, every day in, in centers across the land. Uh, now we have red light cameras uh, in, in some intersections here. Uh, is Have you experienced a lot of these frauds regarding traffic violations like this? Like you've got a parking ticket, you've got this, you've got that, or, or, or some sort of infringement? You know, we, we've been seeing it in dribs and drabs. The, you know, in the, the U.S. Was, you know, put out a uh, warning on it uh, last I believe it was in May. Uh, the, the Australians put out a warning on it in in, in um, 2015. So you know it, it's it's happening. Um, you know, and again, you know it's a continuum of, of really a constant stream of people faking everything. And it, and the the internet, you know, has made it where before it used to take a really clever criminal to to counterfeit a check or to you know to fake a document. Now with copy and paste, you know. Yeah. Anyone can do it, and, and of course the scammers, are, you know, have some skilled people making it even better. But yeah, you know, they they put out product on an amazing scale, you know, constantly out there, and, and of course it's just a small percentage that they need to actually strike gold on for it to pay off big time. Hmm. Daniel Williams has been with us, Senior Fraud Specialist, Canadian Anti-Fraud Center. Another one, this one, the City of Hamilton issuing a, uh, issuing a warning to residents over fake emails about traffic violations. Uh, Daniel, thanks for the time and insight as always. Much appreciated. My pleasure. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 900 CHML.